show you're about to hear is the We Are Ulster podcast. From next week, this will only be available by following We Are Ulster on SoundCloud, iTunes, or your preferred podcast provider. Remember, We Are Ulster. It matters more. I suppose everyone knows me from Darlene, Timor, and Kinali, what have you. Bally Connell. <laughs> Kieran McGinley as a player was a phenomenal player, and he didn't cry and he didn't whinge, you know. Jim knows where I am if he wants to chat to me. Like. Probably that's what we've read about anyway, and that's what we've been told, and uh, we'll probably not hear it again the next time we get bit, you know. The Ulster Championship excites the crowd. There isn't another province that's as competitive as that. And if truth be told, I mean, what, what is the point of this? Like, we might have 20,000, 30,000 down fans, and it's going to be great. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be better than, that, than, than anything I've ever experienced. And then, of course, if you're a county player, going after the club match, <laughs> some boy <laughs> going to give you the hatchet. <laughs> This group of players means so much to me, I couldn't hold me the late after the game. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the second episode of the We Are Ulster GA podcast. Thanks very much to everybody who commented on our social medias on last week's podcast. We got a great response. Uh, don't forget to like and share us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Uh, it's all at We Are Ulster. I'm delighted to be joined with Paul Fitzpatrick here in studio and Declan Bogue of the Irish Independent and the Belfast Telegraph. Of course, Paul Patrick is the sports editor with the Anglo-Celt. On today's show, we're going to be looking back on a busy weekend in Horlin in Ulster. We had the Ulster final between Antrim and Armagh. We're going to be uh, also looking ahead to the Ulster teams who are competing in the Laurie Mahard, the Nicky Record and the Christie Ring Cup. We're going to have a, a brief discussion on the uh, handball situation in the province. We have a... a little bit of an insight into goalkeeping with Ray Galligan, which is a, a wee teaser for a forwarder podcast we have lined up for you. Um, we're going to be discussing the trends of training camps going on around the region. We have all the results from the under-17 and minor league uh, football finals, or sorry, semi-finals from the weekend. And of course, as always, we're going to be finishing off with the good, the bad and the very, very ugly. Declan, how was your weekend? Were you were you busy? I suppose it was hard to get into the Ulster final there. Big, big crowd. Big crowd up and on big for the Ulster Hurling final, Damien. I think uh, one of the early jokes in the press box was there were possibly more people in the Mayo Bridge Silver Band that were given the musical accompaniment than in the crowd. Um, it was something that was touched on after by Sam McNaughton, the joint Antrim manager, where he just kind of said, "You know, you're neither in, you're neither chick nor fowl, really. You know, you're you're not in Antrim, you're not in Armagh, you're in Owen Beg. It's an Easter Sunday, like you know, really, how much you're gonna get of a crowd there? But that's just been the way of it for for donkeys years now that I can remember. Yeah, it's just just one of those things that I suppose it, there, there there isn't as big a following as the football, Paul. No, there's not. There's not. I can't say too much. I I. Wouldn't be a great man for attending hurling matches, to be honest. There wouldn't be too many in Cavan that, that are, even though they're they're trying their best. But I did I did go to a to a Cavan Derry um, football match years ago up in Casey Park, and I brought a friend of mine who really just came for the piss up. He didn't come for the for the football or the hurling. He wouldn't be a GA man at all. But he talked that much and slobbered and was farting and grunting around the place that much for the first half an hour. Of the court and razor. Eventually, it got to half time. He turned around. And he goes, "Oh, Jesus! This is Harlan." <laughs> so that'll, that'll tell you what some of the cabin ones think of Harlan. Show the standard, all right. Uh, looking, Paul or uh, Declan, I suppose uh, uh, an expected victory for Antrim, finishing five twenty-two to to one twelve. No real surprises there. 
No real surprises. I mean, you know, Armagh might have thought that they had, they ran Antrim in the league to seven points down in the athletic rounds and they might have been thinking there was a wee bit of an incremental gain. Like last year, I think Antrim ran up 6.21 in the final against Armagh. And uh, we had talked about how it was mainly competitive up until the three-quarter mark and then Antrim just tagged on a load of scores. Yesterday it was slightly different. Uh, there was a huge win that was brought down towards Feeney and Antrim got the... Antrim got playing with the win. Now, the interesting thing is that uh, the Antrim captain told us that the Armagh team won the toss and elected to go against a very stiff breeze in the first half, which is um, it's quite unusual in her, and, and it was certainly quite uh, surprising us because after 23 minutes, it was something like 2-7 to, to, to two points. So I mean, the game was almost over after the first quarter. Um, and what Antrim had said afterwards... Was there was a comment that Cahill Carver made actually, and I was there in Ennis game for the semi final against Down, where he said that they, they, he wanted a crack at, at Antrim, he wanted to knock them off their perch. And he actually said that he, he'd been up against Kieran Johnson in the last year's final and felt that he had got the better of Kieran Johnson. I, this is one of these kind of <laughs> papers, this is one of these kind of punditry things that, that happen from time to time that a player picks up on something and they, they, they just run with it. Kieran Johnson and Connor Johnson. Connor Johnson was spectacular yesterday. He scored three five by the way from corner forward, and Kieran Johnson was wing half back. Now their father is Michael Johnson, who was the Armagh manager for many years and would have progressed Armagh up through the ranks. And I think that Cal Carvel made a light-hearted comment in this game. Certainly, judging by the smile on his face when he said it, that he got the better Kieran Johnson. But it was noticeable how spiky Andrum were after the game. As a matter of fact, Conor Johnson actually said a good hurler wouldn't have said something like that. Mm, that was very interesting, all right. Like you don't, you don't, I suppose, usually associate those sort of comments coming out from from the weaker camps. But it was a brave move. Well, or maybe a know, stupid move. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't even think it was anything. I, I, I think it's one of those things that a, a team seen in a newspaper and it doesn't translate. The humour of it doesn't translate black and white. We ran the story on Friday that obviously picked it up and they said, well, these guys are going to come and knock us off our perch, like in that Alex Ferguson going to knock Liverpool off their perch kind of thing. And how dare they disrespect Kieran Johnson? But I think there was a bit of humour. Uh, but it's one of those ones that if a team say, right, we're going to sew it into them from the first minute, then is a manager or teammates going to say, ah, oh, boys, geez, I think he was only joking? No, they don't. Like they just use it because they they know it helps to guard against complacency or whatever. Yeah, I suppose it's in any sort of fuel to to ignite the passion. Exactly. Yeah, that's precisely it. Um, I don't really think Andrew probably needed anything like that. Uh, you know, you can kind of see uh, as much as these gains are with the you know middle rank and hurling counties when you see. The stick work of Antrim is just, it just is. It's a cliche to say it's on another level. Like, you know, they're just sharper getting the ball away. They're, they're better at getting the first touch right. Like, and that just counts for everything in hurling, especially on a day where you can move the ball quick. Yeah, I suppose a uh, good time to bring in. You spoke with uh, Terence Sambo McNaughton, the Antrim manager after the game, and, and uh, he had some interesting comments. No, I think it's it's nice to run your own province and keep the thing going. Like we, and I said, you know, to give people respect and the thing they respect. Like I think it's not ideal the place is in, but it's in, 
a better place than it had been. Like you know, the Ulster Championship been in between the two. Maybe if they spread things out a wee bit more time in between games, it wouldn't do any harm. But uh, you know, we're happy here. We came here, and we're obviously going to ride on next week with a very, very hard game against Carlow. And you know, here we go again. Like, we're in three cup competitions this year, so we've two, and we're looking forward to the third now. Yeah, well, I mean, was it? When you when you go into a game like that, you sort of know that you, you probably have the winning of that game. Like you know, is it is it difficult to kind of keep a concentration or set the goals for the players or what? No, we set goals for them and out there, knowing that the, there's places up for grabs and professional about it. And we we wanted to set their own. We weren't happy the way we played in our in the league without a bad attitude or whatever out there. I don't know, but we were more intensity. We matched our the day for an intensity out there and. I heard them get over like with some boys had very good games today, like Clark and Johnny and yeah. there and Shorty and you know that's just life like you know. Were you at all uh, concerned when you seen Shorty going down, sort of looking at the knee? Aye, I was, he got a slap there and I, I didn't really see it and I thought, you know, that there you kinda of always wary of him, you know, and mm. that sort of player not there, but no, there he's he's been around a long time and he's a very important member of our team like. The the win in the first half there really you know you three first half goals yeah. you, did you win the toss then and I like to play with the yeah. win yeah and yeah, the idea the was right just get as many scores on the board here in the first Aye. half well that was their thing in that there with two corner forwards were on song the other day like there our man found them seriously hand to hand and we supplied them rightly with balls and that there but it was we were happy with our performance today like as I said we weren't happy leaving our man last time because of thought we stuttered and stammered and boys farted about a game and that there but they were not that the professional out there and that's what we have to do and obviously we have one eye on next week like you know with a serious hard game down in Carlo and that's what we're aiming for now Is it the Christie ring then uh, is the main is it like of the the competitions Woody had said that getting promotion in the league was, no. was the most important competition Yeah without a doubt for us getting promotion was our number one goal you know, we had to try and get up on that level, at highest level that we can play at and out there, and, and trying to encourage everybody to feel for them, to play for them and out there. And it's nice when you've Galway coming to town and Limerick and Dublin yeah. out there next year. Like it helps hurling and Antrim. I think you know when them sort of teams are coming, you know, though we're probably out of our depth maybe at the minute we'll like them, but they're the sort of games as. Yeah, so Declan, he 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 definitely had some interesting comments. I suppose their their main goals were achieved already this year, so it wasn't necessarily that winning Ulster was their biggest target. No, Sam would be quite open. He's always phlegmatic, like you know. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't do bullshit, like you know. He doesn't get over dramatic about anything. Uh, he does say he wanted to be back up and among the Galways and Limericks and whatnot, and get them into Belfast, get a bit of buzz going again in Antrim Hurling, and that's exactly you know that's where they need to be in order to attract the children. I mean, one of the things about this, the captain is Simon McCrory of Antrim, and he is a hurling development officer in the county, and he was told me that he's been in around all the kind of schools in North Belfast where soccer is extremely strong with Cliftonville and Celtic. And he says that a lot of children, when he was asking what do you think about Antrim hurlers, didn't even know about such a thing. Like the concept of intercounty hurling was just completely lost in them. But that's growing now. Like, you know, that'll grow anytime they lift a cup or they're in the newspaper lifting a cup. And especially if they get Galway and Limerick back up to places like Corrigan Park. Um, Antrim, you know, they, they'll say that, okay, this is the league was the main thing. 
lifting an Ulster Championship was just taken. It's just a box to take. But the Christie ring will be huge because they, no matter what, they will want to be competing in Liam McCarthy. And the way to do that is to win this Christie ring. And don't forget, like that Antrim twice last year had the winning of the Christie Ring Cup in their hands and lost it. And that was under a, you know, that was with a desperately poorly prepared outfit that had a change of management halfway through the season. Yeah, I suppose it's uh, it's interesting looking looking at Antrim now. They they go into the Christie Ring, and as you say, they they have got that promotion in the league. But it still it still begs a bigger question, and and maybe it's it's a good point to bring in a wee clip that we discussed earlier on, where Donald Cusack had had a theory or an idea of where Ulster Horland should go. I'd be very interested to, to look at actually creating a, a, an Ulster team, maybe based out of Belfast or somewhere, and let all these players come together and, and the best players compete under that umbrella in the Liam McCarthy Championship. What about if funding it, now? Be... Yeah, well, I think, you know, from a, from a GA point of view, I think it'd be well worth it to, to make a proper investment. I, I'd see nothing at all wrong with, you know, investing serious money in it. I'd see absolutely nothing wrong with paying a manager even to go up there and ensure that they, they have, have the best managers that they could have in place. I think what, what you need to do is, is look at, you know, here you have, like Cyril said, top players, totally committed to the game, yeah. extremely passionate. I know a lot of down people, myself, down hurling people, as passionate or hurling people as you're going to meet anywhere. The shame is that we don't see more of these players. And I think the other shame is that these don't, players don't get the opportunity of playing at the highest level. I think the association has, has set precedent in this in other areas. For example, my own club, Cloyne, were relegated last year from the Senior Hurling Championship in Cork. And by, by the fact of that, I can play with Amy Killy, who are a divisional team yeah, in the so Senior Declan, Hurling Championship. You know, Don Logue's idea of, of or, or maybe it's not Don Logue's idea, as you were pointing out to me, um, but an, an Ulster Hurling team... Is it something that could could actually work or should actually work? Are we that far behind? Um, well, it was it was the writer Kieran Shannon, a colleague of myself and Paul's there that had first uh, came up with the idea of Team Ulster. Um, I don't know if if they discussed it with Don or whatever that, but he certainly popular he, he popularised the idea by floating it in the Sunday game and that and that that's always going to create further debate. In my in my experience, and this is something I would have asked all you know, Ulster hurlers, I remember meeting with the Henfe brothers, Kevin and Liam, and their father also too, up in Dungiven one day, and it would seem to be the better hurlers from the middle rank counties, the Derry's Downs, and possibly Armagh would say, yes, love that team Ulster, God, that would be a great team. If we could get everybody on the one team together, we would be a serious outfit and we would be able to compete. But... I also take on board, like, you know, Neil McManus once said to me and explained in great detail that he wouldn't, like, he says, Antrim is my team, Antrim is my identity, I don't have an identity with a team Ulster, and I think that, you know, it would do Antrim hurling a disservice to kind of break up. It's 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 one of those things that Donald made the point that we are a young association, that things can always be tried and why not, like, you know, it might be an interesting concept for a year or two to, to give it a go, but the sheer geographical spread of players in Ulster would just make it an impossibility. And in any case, the GE are very good at just making a new unit or a new franchise or a new team. Like I mean, I just I would see it highly, highly unlikely. Uh, two questions on that, Declan. That I'd like to hear your insights on it. The first one is: 
are there any other players outside of Antrim that would would really contend for that team? Is it a situation like Dublin footballers? If you had a team Leinster, it would really be Team Dublin with maybe two lads. Uh, I was there at the Ulster Club final um, and watched Chrissy McKeague. It was just superhuman. His performance at midfield that day for Slotnail against Lockheed and they became the first area club to win an Ulster club title. He was superhuman. And his manager, Michael McShane, from uh, Ballycastle originally, and he said afterwards, I just asked Chrissy to do one simple thing for me. And he said, What's that? He says, Go out and have the game of your life. And he is <laughs> an amazing murderer. And Brendan Rogers, the fullback for Derry, uh, was he's, he is a full forward in Harland. He's just brilliant. I mean, he's just such a strong hand in the air. Uh, even staying with Derry, you've got Big Rory Convery that would, would certainly be pushing for a place there. And down down through the years, you've got people like Maggie Johnson. Like, you know, you might have a they might be at a bit of a low ebb now, but certainly Connor Woods like is as good a centre half back as you get anywhere in Ulster and possibly further afield. You know, Stephen Keith's a very good goalkeeper for down. You know, Armagh, Cahill Carville would be certainly useful. Uh, Declan Coulter was with Armagh or was with Armagh for years and years and moved to Letterkenny, I think, and plays at Donegal Hurst. So no, I, I, I don't I don't buy that that it would be a, a team on from anyway in different clothing. I, I do believe there are hurlers scattered through the province that would make it. And the the second question, Declan, was um if, if, <laughs> the second question was um, if Neil McManus says well look Antrim Horlan is my identity and I don't want to go and play for a team under under a different colour you'd have to question how strong is that identity if Antrim are struggling so badly and you'd wonder is the interest really there in, in Antrim are they getting all their best players out Do Antrim, is Antrim's Horlan identity that strong that, that, that a move to a different Horlan identity w- wouldn't serve them well I know what you're saying. I, I just think that maybe Antrim's hurling identity as a, I mean, this detest using the word brand, uh, but I will say this, you know, uh, it wasn't so long ago that I was at Gaelic Life and John Martin was our hurling correspondent from the Ardown Belfast and he used to routinely talk about the, the bag of crisps and, and can of coke culture of Antrim hurling whereby they used to meet to go away to matches in, in Casement Park and you'd see players coming along and there'd bags of crisps cans of coke to drink on the way down like they just weren't a proper inter-county team in any kind of you know manner of speaking at all but Antrim did something quite interesting this year they looked at how they failed last year and it was basically the last 15 minute fade outs and what they did is they went away and got DJ Kane the down cap from 94 all there and he put together a six-week block of training in Georgetown and they, they didn't weed out the players who didn't want to be there, but certainly an awful lot of players just said, you know, this is not for me, and went back to doing whatever they were doing. So they've got a group there that clearly want to be there. And when you have that, when you have 32, 33 players who actually really want to be there but be part of it, then that identity grows. And I do believe that if you look at the the characters, the Gary O'Keans, the Woody Sambos, and Neil Petons are involved in not managing Antrim right now, then they can grow an identity. They've had it in the past, and... Um, with Denny Cahill has been able to get a tune out of them from time to time and they got to the was the quarter final in two thousand ten and give Cork all sorts of baller up to a point. Like there's potential there. There for sure, for certain sure. And I just think that it's a, a matter of identifying the people that can lead them there. Yeah, I suppose it is a very valid point. But we're gonna move on uh, just to finish off on, on the Horland 
Um, as we said, this weekend sees the start of the Laurie Maher, the Nicky record, and the Christy Ring. I suppose, Paul, from a, a Cavan point of view, Cavan entering the Laurie Maher for the first time, I think, in six, six years, then. Yeah. yeah, 2010. Or. Yeah, uh, I think that, that Cavan made the right move um, pulling their team out. And I know there was ructions in Cavan and, and people involved in Cavan Horland. Some of them w- would say that it was a terrible thing and, and it I think someone said that they have a human right to play intercounty horn, which I think is. I think, I, that, I think that phrase was used. You know, I think that's that's ludicrous. But Kevin Carney is a colleague of mine in the Celtic. He was the man who re- revived Horland in Coothill uh, back in the late nineties. Coothill had won senior Horland championships back in the day, uh, you know, forty, fifty years ago. But Kevin started it up again, and um, he he always says that that it was the right move because. I think the last year that there was a senior hurling team in Cavan, there wasn't a single game of underage hurling played in the county that year, which is, which is a very damning statistic. So the, what they were at was they would get some army men that were based in Cavan, some maybe bank officials, guardy, a couple of hardcore, um, a couple of hardcore hurling people, maybe some fellow whose father was from Cork, and they played hurling growing up with the cousins, and that was it. It was a raggle taggle bunch, and the big thing was it was costing an absolute fortune. I think I know it's a little bit disingenuous of me, but I think at one stage, in over three years, the team cost two hundred fifty thousand, and they won five games in the lowest level of Horland. And two of them were against that South Down team, which was sort of like a down towards string or whatever it was. So you're talking about fifty grand per win if you're going to look at it like that. So that 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 had to be changed. They made massive strides um, early on in it because they got this guy called Owen Marcy from from Wexford. Um, or from Waterford who's now um, a development officer with Wexford and we can see now in hindsight he was worth his weight in gold there was a great interview with him on the GA website during the week and he's doing great things in Wexford but he did great things in Cavan they came along and, and were actually beating the likes of Tyrone and Monaghan in Ulster Minor Shields you know the second level in Ulster Minor Harden. so they did do very well for a couple of years the problem was the drop off we also produced a player Kevin Carney's son who won an Ulster College's All-Star in Harden. Which is which was un- absolutely unbelievable. He absolutely blitzed it at the at the trials and uh, played brilliant. And um, so it shows that you can you can do it. The problem is um, they haven't been able to keep them on. You know they've only got three senior clubs in in the championship last year, and they haven't been able to bring on these young kids who who did well in those minor teams. The under twenty ones last year was meant to be a development idea that would progress into the senior, and 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 it didn't work. It didn't work. Like the, uh, two years ago, they lost by a point or two to Sligo in the under twenty one C competition, and had a good team. Probably should have beaten Sligo. Um, la- last year, it didn't work at all. So, look, the, the numbers are limited, but they have got a lot of support. They've got Dini Cahill now who's been training the team. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm down on the hoarding people in Cavan, but early on when they got the team back, they were getting ten and twelve to training, and I think a delegation of hoarding people went to the county board looking for a manager, and they kind of said, "Well, look." forget about a manager for now, you need to get players out training. So they, they brought in a rule that, that they must have 20 players at training. Which is, like, that's that's bad when a board has to say, unless you get 20 out training, you're not allowed to play in a team. But they had to, to do that. And they said, you need 20 at training at every training session for the next six weeks and then we'll decide where, where you're going to go from there. And in fairness, they did buy into it and they started getting the numbers out of training. So by all accounts, they've got Dini Cahill in and by all accounts, genuinely, training has gone well. They've played challenge matches against clubs from Longford, Westmead, Leitrim, um, Mead and done pretty well but 
I didn't realise that, that 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 man Watson from Antrim was playing for Warwickshire like that throws a spanner in the works I just hope Calvin don't slip to a demoralising defeat if 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 there's a a player of Liam McCarthy standard playing in the Laurie Maher like that for Warwickshire like that in itself I, I'd imagine Declan like he'd nearly be a team on his own well he did that in Brewster Park um, you know Liam Watson's abilities down through the years have been have been well seen. Posted, he was an All Star replacement. He, he got a nomination in two thousand and ten. Super hurler, and he's showed that as far back as two thousand and two when he took on Tip as a teenager and, and ran them all over the show for the first fifty minutes. And think he got a red card, but that's always been sort of Liam's brilliance mixed with with uh, you know, short fuse. But uh, for whatever reason, he finds himself. I think he's working over in Warwickshire. He came over to Brewster Park to play for Mana and they put a good, decent, tough defender on him, but he just ran right. I mean, he just, I think this is the thing now that they've, they've got him in and uh, they want to win a Laurie Maher for Warwickshire. It would be an amazing boost for, for GA in Birmingham. I, I played football over there myself in, in Birmingham for a year. You just be very fond of all those kind of outposts that keep GA going. Like, and they're, they're very, they are strong in Birmingham. So, if they should achieve something, it'll be hats off. But I actually see Warwickshire winning this one handy just simply because they've been training together all year and Calvin have just been stitched in, you know? Well, well, I wouldn't say that. Calvin have trained hard for the last three months. I have to say... Here comes the Calvin but they defense. haven't been playing. Like, you know, they, they haven't been playing games, games. that... Let yeah, that, that's right. That's right. I, I, I would stand over it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just don't want to denigrate there. They have prepared well for it, but as you said, they didn't enter the league, and also a couple of their best players didn't commit. So you imagine Cavan at full strength wouldn't wouldn't be any worse. Oh, yeah, well, you never know what they could do, but uh, if there's nothing beats playing games regularly and yeah. winning games, they have been so. Yeah. Oh, I think anything Bar Bar should win would be an absolutely massive upset. I have to say. Yeah, I think so, and it, it's on this coming Saturday. The other uh, Ulster team in the Laurie Maher is your own Fermanagh, Declan. Fermanagh playing Leitrim at Fermanagh Hurling is just a little way up. I mean, I mentioned it in a column there last week that there's only one senior club. Like, listen, ski now, don't bother at all at senior level. I don't know what is happening on the race in Queen's Bluff, and they might be trying to get something going. There's a few different clubs that have tried at underage, under 12, under 14 level. It's when these guys, these lads, get the under 16, they have to make some serious choices and the footballers are in their clubs are looking for them to commit a bit more that's when the difficulty arises but uh, they play Leitrim and it's one of these ones that like you know it's really matter like who is is, is the you know given the, the strength of the matter uh, does any really care I mean you know man have won a Larry Maher in recent history and it was nice and all at the time but you kind of looking around yourself Calvin works here for man and Leitrim and a few who should win? I think Lancashire's also in there. They might have a free week, but, yeah. you know, what does it matter? <laughs> you know, it's one of those ones. Yeah, I'm sure it matters to the players that are involved, but outside of that, it's it's, it's probably not, not of huge relevance. I suppose moving on, though, to the, the competition that that curtails most of our, or has most of the Ulster teams involved, the Nicky Rackard. Um, Donegal uh, start their Nicky Rackard this weekend. I know. Could I just come in there, Damien, and just say that being a wee bit like I, I, I don't mean that. Does it really matter? What What I really would be concerned about. What does it matter? Should Fermanagh beat Leitrim compared to the overall development of Hurling in the county? That's the main thing here. Like you know, whether the senior county team wins a game, and Laurie Maher is neither here nor there. 
right now unless they're improving the overall health of the game. Like so, I, I I wouldn't ever take away from the efforts of the players, and I certainly wouldn't be in that my cousin's actually a Fermanagh captain, Ryan Hogue. So it'll <laughs> go down so, well. Yeah, it will go down well in Northern Monaskey, but uh, record cup. Donegal have Armagh, and that means Declan Coulter will be facing his former teammates in Armagh. That's in Letterkenny. Uh, Monon face Tyrone, and Louth are playing against Derry. Derry obviously will be the big dogs in the Racker Cup because they have all the slot nail herders back. Well, most of them. And uh, we were writing about this last week. Chrissy McCaig and Brendan Rogers are committing to the herders as well as the footballers. I mean, that's not something we see nowadays too often. Mm. Intercounty duo players. But not only do they have a host of slot nail boys, you better remember this is Collie McGurk, who was on the panel in '93 for Derry's footballers. Like he was a dual player himself, so he probably carries a lot of weight, like in the county and said, "Boys, you know, I, I did it myself, and I, you know, regretted nothing for my hurling career because he won a couple of Ulsters in the end up along with you. Got to remember uh, Jeffrey McGonagall, Kieran McKeever, all these guys were dual players of that era for Derry. He also they also have two Waldron players. Um, Two guys by the name of Waldron who, who are on the Kula team, uh, Kane and Nisha. And uh, their grandfather, I think, was from the Loop, was one of the founding members of the Loop Club, I believe. I was told that last week anyway. And their parents were actually considering a move back to the Lock Shore in Derry. So they've certainly got the talent and uh, they, could, they could possibly take that competition by storm. Yeah, here's hoping anyway. And I suppose then moving on to the big competition, the Christie Ring, Antrim and Down being the Ulster representatives. Yeah, Down are not in a great place. That's like the, the, the defeat in the Ulster semi-final after that, and I remember going along get a day for uh, for a, an assignment to meet the Down Hurlers in, in the winter of 2007 when they were getting geared up and doing their winter training. And I went down along to uh, Ballykinner, where there was a British Army barracks there, was the only thing Bally Kinner was ever famous for, but down were training beside it. And I remember Gary Savage, who was, he must have been 36, 37 at that time, Bally, um, got to get this right now, Bally Cran, definitely the black and amber stripes. He, that was his club, and he was warming up for 10 minutes before the training, before everybody else, at 37, by hopping a ball off the wall, catching it. And his enthusiasm for the game stood out for me at that age, at 37. Uh, last Saturday they were beaten by Armagh in the, in the um, Ulster semi-final and Gary Savage was the only manager on show. I went up to him after and spoke to him and he told me that the real manager, Marty Mallon from Portaferry, he owns a, a butchery in Portaferry, couldn't get anyone to cover him for the day so Gary Savage had to be the manager. And he, he, he admitted to me that they came down with a panel of only about 19 because he says you get a number of boys all there at the start of the year and they're happy enough to be there and talk about you know putting in the big hard work, they get their gear and he says and then they're gone. And he says that he didn't know maybe he and Marty came at it from a different perspective that, you know, hurling from down is a privilege and maybe that's not seen anymore among the younger generation, but certainly they're struggling big time. Uh Carlo have Antrim. Antrim um, they're away to Carlo and they'll be seeking revenge for the league final. That's going to be definitely the the, the tie of the round. Whether Antrim can do it or not, away from home, they're certainly well placed. They got a good run out yesterday. They're plenty of confidence. Like you know, they've got you know when you win a game like that, uh, it can it can have one or two effects. You can either be overconfident going into the next game, or you can be brimming full of confidence, your touch, feeling good about yourself. And I think Antrim should carry that into it. 
Yeah, yeah, it should do. So best of luck to all the Ulster teams anyway in the hurling competition this weekend, whether it be the Laurie Maher, the Nicky Record or the Christie Ring. I suppose we're going to move on now from maybe one forgotten sport to another. Paul, this weekend coming sees uh, our, our attention focusing on to the handball and it's the All-Ireland doubles final. You take that back, one forgotten sport to another. But no, I, I agree. Probably handball in general has a similar profile to what Horland and Ulster has. It's sort of a well. If we were playing second fiddle, would be it would be an improvement. <coughs> I think we're only rounders has a has a a lower standard in the in the association than handball has. But a lot of that is is handball's own fault, and we'll get into that again. But yeah, the uh, the the big game this weekend coming is the All Ireland Senior Doubles Final. Cavan are playing Clare. It's Paul Brady and Michael Finnegan. And they're playing Jim with Nash and Colin Crehan, who are two former underage holders with Clare. Nash is a left-hander. He's an actuary in Dublin, and he plays like an actuary in, in the handball court. He's methodical, uh, very calculating in his play. He's not one of these all-out expo- explosive players, we'd say, like Paul Brady. He's a very... Methodical is the word I would use to describe him. Now, the two fellas, the Clare fellas are young. Nash is about 24, 25. Crehan's about 22. Um... So you're saying the Cavan boys are very old. Well, the Cavan boys are old in comparison. Michael Finnegan's 40 and Paul Brady is uh, 37. So, you know, the, the, you would think ordinarily that, that Clare would be favourites, but that's not generally the way it works in handball. Um, the Cavan boys have won 10 senior All-Irelands. Now, people sitting there, I know you two fellas are, are sitting there going, what kind of a joke sport is that when someone can win 10 All-Ireland medals? But... What they have done is it's something similar to what say Shefflin did. Like it's ex- extremely competitive in in senior doubles over the last fifteen years. It's extremely competitive, and the Cavan boys have totally dominated. Now they have lost a few finals, and they haven't won it since since twenty fourteen. Uh, the greatest handball match I ever saw. Cavan beat Mead twenty one nineteen in a third game in in Roscommon in twenty fourteen, which is one of those games that had everything where. The four players that Cavan and Mead hated each other. Let's be straight about it. They didn't. They didn't get on well. Um, the Mead boys were a brilliant team, and um, you had Tom Sheridan playing with Mead. He was with the Robbie Keane um, two gun salutes when he hit a good shot and all that stuff. It was absolutely brilliant. It was brilliant stuff. But um, anyway, Cavan won that game. The following year, Mead beat them because Cavan had to pull out injured midway through the final. Paul Brady got an injury. Last year, Cavan got beaten in the final by Dublin, which was a big upset. Owen Kennedy and Carl Byrne played brilliant that day. So it's left now that Cavan are back in the final. It's the Clare boys' first time in the final. If Cavan can win this one, they'll have the record of 11 All-Ireland Senior Doubles medals, um, which would be phenomenal. Um, I think Tom Sheridan has 11, but the two fellas have won, the Cavan fellas have won it together. So it's it's set up for a huge game. There's a couple of other big games on the card concerning Ulster. Um, Shane O'Neill from, and Niall Kerr, they're... Two two very good players, and again the opposite end of their careers. Shane is about thirty five. Niall, or sorry, not Niall. That's his dad, Sean Kerr. Sean is is about nineteen, and he's after winning a minor All Ireland. He's a good up and coming player. They're both from Bracky, in in Tyrone, and uh, they're in an All Ireland intermediate um, semi final as well. So th- it's a big weekend for handball. It's in Kingscourt in Cavan, and the place is going to be jammed out with, with Cavan fans on Saturday evening. So. I um, just want to wish the, all the Cavan lads and the Tyrone lads good luck on that yeah good stuff good stuff as I say we'll cover all GA aspects if there's any um, topics you want to bring up on the We Are Ulster podcast you can let us know at weareulster at gmail.com so we're moving on then um, earlier on in the week just to give you a wee bit of a snippet we, we, we caught up with Cavan goalkeeper Ray Galligan 
and uh, here's a little snippet of a podcast that we're going to be bringing to you in the next week yeah I definitely think it there's definitely um, it's a massive aspect in, in the game especially uh, in the performances that have happened over um, the last few years but you know here's, clubs here's that have been successful over about, the years especially the in Calvin sports science, um, the goalkeeper has been very very gone. effective and <clears throat> it's definitely an area that there can be put more emphasis on training um, like I just see myself there like uh, we've fabulous goalkeepers in there Calvin this year like um, James Farley and Joe Donahue myself like we've got serious training over the last 12 months 2-3 years uh, but with Gary Rogers and uh, we've uh, big odds from Car- Carrick Moore um, but like we've seen it has really improved uh, us as players and like if there was the same put into a club scene it definitely will definitely help players going forward uh, for the club players, yeah. Yeah, so that's just a wee bit of a uh, a teaser for the podcast is uh, coming up next week where we'll be going into in-depth details on uh, the the role of a goalkeeper so if you want to uh, get any more details on Raymond Galligan and and what they're doing in relation to coaching for goalkeepers at club level specifically in this region uh, just go on to Twitter at Raymond Galligan and you can get in contact with him there Um, I suppose moving on to a topic that that is I suppose an annual event this time of year Declan training camps and, and county teams going away on these uh, these team bonding sort of training camps there's there's mm-hmm. well we know that Donegal are over in New York at the minute um, there, there's a number of other teams heading away there is uh, I suppose if we want to make an exclusive I know that I haven't heard any much talk about it but I know that Monaghan are heading away I think today to uh, Villamira in Portugal um, there's a there's a complex there called Browns a number of different teams used I mean, last year the Warwickshire, Worcestershire uh, Warriors is it the rugby league team were there um, I thought you, I thought you, I thought you were going to say Warwickshire Hoarders Worcestershire Warriors I think it's called but um Look, in 2014, actually, uh, I was over there for a reason, and Donegal were there at the same time, getting their selves ready. Uh, Tyrone are going. Are there? There is certain. There's strong talk that Tyrone want uh, next weekend free from league games so that they go away. But uh, their sort of usual place they would go is Carton House. Um, but it's you know it's it's an annual thing that comes up year after year, and it's one of those ones that hard cases make for bad law in that. Calvin went away last year, also Monaghan, and it was the county of the uh, GA president and the director general, and there was no sanctions, no punishment that came either way. Um, I see Mike Michal Brady, the, the, the Club Players Association, has said that you know there should be some kind of sanction for uh, counties that that they that don't go along with it or don't obey the GA rules, but I mean, you know, we're the best free country in the world for having rules and you know, sure, sure, it'll do rightly. You know, spit like the training ban in November that, that that we're meant to adhere to. I don't know any county that truly take it seriously. Like they, they make always make sure and name check uh, that oh well, we weren't able to train here. But then you see, you hear other managers saying, oh yeah, we trained away. We were back on the pitch in October, working really hard. Um, it certainly it's it's one of those ones that does it have a good effect? 
Absolutely. I mean, anybody that ever goes on it and achieves anything says that, you know, a two, two or three days away is like a month's training because you just get to know each other on a deeper level. Uh, you get to study your game and you're there for a specific reason and you're also living and breathing it every day. Um, it's bound to have a good effect on the teams. And the only problem with it is it becomes a bit of an arms race then that you know, the middle middle tier counties want to get that. They see that they get jealous of it and they wonder what they could do if they could have the same. Just to pull you back on that point earlier on, like where you where you're saying about the Cavan and Monaghan going away last year and, and, and a lot of other teams as well, but how difficult is it for the GA to police that when for example I know in Cavan that there's fourteen or fifteen of the Cavan lads gone on a on a trip away together. That's not a, a county board organised one or a management organised one. So who's to say that that Donegal in New York isn't a training camp or is a training camp. It could be a social event. It could be just a group of lads away together. It's very, very hard well, to... Well, Donegal actually have a game, but... Well, yeah. they had two games. Oh, two games. New York, but yeah, I mean, but the team had, going to Portugal or someone. Yeah, they, they hadn't the time to have a training camp as such, given that you know, the time frame was tight. Two games against New York. And they also... You know, and this is a, a growing part of it. You know, you're still in the middle of April. They're not out in the championship until the 21st of May. Uh, they were going over there, and they made no bones about it. It was a fundraising trip as well as everything. Like they were going over there to, to, to for a serious shakedown of the Donegal diaspora, and that you're going to see a lot more of that. You, you do see intercounty managers heading off on golf classics and that to do with their county teams, and uh, you know the, this is all a part of it now that people don't maybe appreciate but it has to be done yeah the financial muscle is sort of turning into results on 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 the championship field well you know Kerry do their trips away you know this people kind of think that this all originated with our man the manga in 2002 that you know big joe took the boys away uh, in his before his first year of his championship, and uh, they were, they were, lo and behold, they went and won all Ireland. I mean, you know, they were probably too vocal. The problem with that Armagh team, well, it wasn't a problem whatsoever, but a perceived a perception of them was they're nearly too open with the media. Joe allowed them to talk away, and that was remarkably mature. And it's missed that kind of attitude, but. Paddy O'Shea had done the same thing a couple of years before and Kerry won the Millennium All-Ireland. They went away and trained in Malaga or some place. Uh, some, somewhere for warm weather training. But as is the way with Kerry, they didn't really you know, shout it from the rooftops or anything like that. But I just wonder where the like of a, a Fermanagh and the like of a maybe you know, other counties are possibly not the flush with cash. Are they doing it? just because other counties are doing it and do they even have the means to do it yeah yeah absolutely that, that's a very good point like uh, an awful lot of the trends that go on in GA are just just done because someone else is doing it do you know what 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 can uh, Donegal do in New York probably training maybe I know when Cavan were there they trained up in Rockland Gales it was a bit of hassle they were an hour on a bus and things like that every day what what could, mm. can Donegal do in New York that that they couldn't do with, say, a Carton House, for example. I know, apart from, they're not the fundraising. Serious funds. Not the fundraising, okay, that's a bad example. But what can what can a team do in La Manga that they can't do in, in Ireland? Like this thing of warm weather training, lovely. 
How many championship matches are you going to play, play in warm weather? You should be going for acclimatising to the rain and that the cold. Not, it's, it's, it, that's not really, I mean, it's all about finding your breath in a, in a higher temperature, you know. it's That's the reason for it, is it conditions you to thinner air. And when you're playing championship football, I suppose it, it, it mightn't be a particularly hot day down in Breffney Park. But if it's like, say for example, when Calvin beat Armagh a couple of years ago, you wouldn't say that was a scorcher, but it was one of those days where the air was very thin. And I suppose it, it, it might count in the last 10, 15 minutes of any game. What you can do when you're away is it's quite simple. You get up in the morning and you can do a session. Yeah, but you can, you, can, you can do that in, in this country too. That's what I'm saying. You, you, when you have the time together and it might be it might be um, easier logistically to not to have to go and fly and all that stuff. And and the other question is, when you're at it, why not go to Whole Hog and actually go for altitude, altitude training when you're at it, if that is the benefit of it? You don't get a tan if you're at altitude. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's part of it's it. It's very, very unfair on the modern-day players. Right? <laughs> but it's, it's part of it, too, that if you said to your county inter-county player that, well, listen, we're going to go in a training camp, but you're going to Balmullet, or you're going to wait in a training camp, you're going to Malaga, you know, Everybody's mm. going to put their hands up and want to go to Malaga, but Balmullet, yeah, you, you, you just know the truth of it. it one of the one of the facets about it, I think this was cited. Uh, I'm I'm not strong in the example, but uh, I remember hearing that a, a team were were considering a training camp at home, and it was actually the same price to go away. In fact, maybe they were saving money by going away because simply because of the, the prices of hotels in Ireland. Yeah, that's actually a valid uh, point. So, yeah. so food, you can't be ignored that. Food food costs and everything in Ireland are far more expensive than over over in Portugal where, where there was over in Browns as you're talking about, um, Declan. And and that, that is actually that's probably a very valid point. It it probably does work out cheaper. And on top of that, in that facility in Portugal, you don't have to go to a spot Get a hotel, get in, get a, a a couple of different pitches you can train on. Maybe a, a gym, a pool for recovery. You know, you have it all in the one one leisure center location. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, but there definitely That's is there. There definitely is an if element you, of. If you're in, if you're in Calvin saying right, boys, go home for an hour. Like you know, you're talking about boys heading away from Bradford Park and having to head maybe an hour's drive to get an hour. No, you know, if you're in a hotel, you say, right, boys, off the bed for an hour, back up, and we'll have a team meeting here at 12, and then we'll do another session later on. You know, it just stands to reason that it has to be of great benefit. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to finish that segment, all right. Puts you in your place, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kavir, we're going to move on to, just very quickly, the Ulster Minor League semi-finals were on in the football uh, this weekend, going by the very last Ulster Minor League semi-finals. And uh, the results from those games were the Tyrone beat Cavan on a scoreline of one goal and 12-2, two goals and five. And Derry beat Monaghan on a scoreline of one twelve to one goal and seven. So Derry and Tyrone will meet in the Ulster, the very last Ulster Minor League final um, in 2017. And then the under-17s saw Tyrone taking on Cavan as well. Tyrone staged a late comeback to win that by a single point, 16 points to two goals and nine. And Donegal beat down in the other semi-final on that, which finished two goals and 12 Two, two goals and nine so Donegal will take on Tyrone in the very first Ulster under 17 league final so congratulations to all teams involved there and best of luck in the finals Just one point on that team. I, mean, I, I attended the Cavan Tyrone game and a couple of great players by the way for Tyrone really stood out full back Anton Fox um, and there was a guy called Cormac Donnelly and a corner forward called High I can't remember if he's in the under 17 or, or the minor but 
couple of f- fantastic players. But I just want to make the point that in, in the minor game with Cavan and, and Tyrone, the referee awarded 32 frees in the second half of that game, which in a 30-minute game, for an, in a minor game, which is generally more free-flowing, I thought it was an astonishing st- statistic. I don't know if you ever heard the beating of that, Declan. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's astonishing. Yeah, absolutely. It it's it's something, and, and as you said on the on the We Are Calvin broadcast that day, you didn't want to continue beating the drum, but but it was hitting you hard. So <laughs> it was beating the drum. Ringo Starr didn't beat the drum as many times as I bet that one. He definitely didn't. All right, but yeah, it, it, look, it is an interesting point. The, the the point that I thought coming out from that is that you know, regardless of whether it's under seventeen or it's minor or it's under sixteen. You consistently have Tyrone teams coming <coughs> through, and even the Tyrone lads that were there in the the press box up in Killigarry with us were saying, "Ah, these aren't particularly strong Tyrone teams." But yet they're in Ulster minor league finals, they're in Ulster championship finals consistently. They they just have the conveyor belt flowing all the time. Yeah, a lot of it's a mentality. It's what they expect of themselves. Like they expect to make those finals, and uh, making them doesn't make them a, a good team. Whereas in Cavan or other counties you're an exceptional team if you can make one of these finals really it's what, probably a lot of it's mindset as well Tyrone definitely are the leaders in terms of mindset but just to go back that, that guy Cormac Donnelly and that high they're the, they're the names to watch out for excellent high, high was corner forward on, on the under 17 uh, and the, num- the centre forward as well Damien Ogus yeah Joe Ogus oh, Joe Ogus he, he actually hit four marks in the second half in that game a phenomenal talent to watch out yeah watch out for those those Tyrone lads you can see them get crashing senior team in the next three or four years definitely so moving on I suppose just to, to finish off we're going to go with our segment the good the bad and the ugly Bally Bay for drinking tea Monaghan drinks brandy and Castle Blaney beats them all for eating sugary candy let me tell you in Galway last week I tipped this one to the whole world and there's one thing about Brady, he tells you people, and I'll tell you why. Yous are my people. No toffee knows about me. Oh boy! So we're supposed to start off with uh, the good this weekend, and we have to look no further than uh, the county of Tyrone yet again, and Lee Brennan's performance in a senior league game for Trillick against Straban, scoring three goals and 14 points. Three goals and eight of that from open play. I don't think I've ever heard of that at adult level, Paul, before. No, the the highest score I ever heard of in a in a competitive adult game was two sixteen by John Heslin in a in a Westmead Championship game. But Brennan beat that. Yeah, I know it was league football, but three fourteen. I I never heard the beating of it. Declan, did you ever score anything close to that? I did uh, a couple of things <laughs> uh, out the backyard against my son. <laughs> yeah, he, he <laughs> could barely walk. Uh, no, Lee, Lee, Lee Brennan is, um, you know, uh, this time last year we were talking about him and uh, I think most of the newspapers, if they're looking at one to watch in those championship supplements, would have all been saying Lee Brennan because I think he got something like 2-9 against Galbally from play as well in the league game and uh, he's just a phenomenal finisher. Why that makes him a Tyrone senior footballer or not? And uh, I presume that's the question you, you're born yeah. to ask here. He got three uh, minutes in the National Football League. That's all he's paid. Yeah, three he minutes got a few common. minutes in the National League. Uh, I, I, I just don't. I, I don't get it. Um, and I'm sure that anyone hearing those stats won't be able to figure that out either, because um, his it, it, his brother Rory has had a 
he's now become a mainstay of the team. I, I don't know. I, I thought last year that Mickey Hart's motivation was nearly to keep Lee Bannon as a secret weapon. But when he didn't get any time in those to find against Donegal, you, you, you might have thought that he'd throw him out against Gavin when they were, you know, when they were coasting home. Yeah. Uh, uh, you might have thought that he'd get the last few minutes against Donegal. That would have been a very pressured situation for him. And, but after they'd done it, I thought, right, okay, he's going to actually let Lee Brennan loose in Croke Park. But no, Lee Brennan said, and he didn't get any minutes. Uh, if you ever seen a statement to a manager, put me in, coach. Uh, <laughs> That, that, that's 14, it, that's it. I mean, it, it, I'll put it to you like this. If Theroux played Derry in the championship and Lee Brennan doesn't see any action, then that's going to be the first, possibly the, the second or third question anyway to Mickey Hart is, what is the matter with Lee Brennan? Like, you know, because that's just phenomenal scoring, no matter yeah. what. And he's a free taker too. This is the strange thing. is like Throne have said, Throne, since uh, Peter Cameron has retired, uh, I've never really had a 9 out of 10 free taker like Stevie O'Neill blew hot and cold at it like I, I remember one game in the championship it was against Donegal in 2012 where Conor Gormley Joe McMahon Sean Kavanagh about four different people took three dead ball situations yeah all tried and, and couldn't couldn't succeed at it, 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 it I'll tell you what counties like Cavan or or the Antrims or the Downs or, or even the Derrys did give the right arm for Lee Brennan. For man, I'll take him. I think he went to school then, Skillen, and he's right on the border. Maybe you could you could use but your influence there, Declan. It's, it's an oddity. It's an oddity and that all those Trillick boys, Rory Brennan, Lee Brennan, Matthew Donnelly, Richie Donnelly, they all attended St. Michael's. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it'd be so nice. Imagine good. for Mana with the with the two Brennans and the and the two Donnellys, it'd be just completely transformed, wouldn't you? Yeah, you definitely. It's would. like that hashtag things things lead did. Of our Lee Keegan last year, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to need a new one. <laughs> Score three fourteen, it's ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, so that's the good for this week. Well done, the Lee Brennan. Uh, congratulations, a hell a hell of an achievement. There should be a medal for something like that. So, moving on to the the bad and unfortunately on the bad side this weekend we saw. Donegal lose out in the All-Ireland Under-21 final to uh, Dublin. Quite a surprise result. Both semi-finals were a surprise result there, but um, the bad, unfortunately, is that Donegal crash out. There were there were heavy favourites going into that game, Paul. There were heavy favourites, surely, and uh, I attended the game. It was in Cavan, and I just thought that they were, they were very heavy-legged and just looked flat on their feet. They were nothing like to wear against Cavan. Excuse me, in the in the Ulster semi final or against Derry, even though against Derry it was tight for a while, but I, just the schedule of the games caught up them. Don't get me wrong, Dublin are good, and it wouldn't be a foregone conclusion that if Donegal were at themselves that they'd beat that Dublin team. I think it would be a close game, but um, Donegal weren't able to do themselves justice at all, and they started going for goals later on as well. When you know. They, they started going for goals when maybe they didn't need to. They could have tacked on a few more points. Like they definitely could have. It could have been a three or four point game and they end up a lot more easily. But um, yeah, you'll hear from Declan Bonner now, and he was he was disappointed. He was sort of blaming the Ulster Council. I think I think Donegal probably have themselves to blame a lot as well because they flogged those fellas with the senior team as well. But I, I can see what Gallagher was doing because at the end of the day, the, the under twenty one grade is a means to an end, and you know they got an Ulster title out of it. Um, and and managed to get all this experience into their their lads and build their seniors as well. So he probably feel that that it, the balance was pretty was pretty good. But in the immediate aftermath of a game, when you're hurting after losing, um, it's hard to look at it like that. Yeah, and so here's Declan Bonner.
We know yeah. we're much better than that there, but just from, from the word off, you could just see that there was, it was definitely a certain amount of flatness to it. And uh, disappointing because of the work that these boys put in, both the players and management, and uh, we just didn't get to the levels we needed. So, yeah. yeah, you struggled in the first half, three down at the break, but you could have been further behind at that stage, Declan. We could, yeah, we could have been. I mean, it was overall, yeah. it, was, it was just a really flat performance, and you know, I think the five day turnaround was much, much too short. And you know, the levels is required at, 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 at this level, and, and, the, and, and the amount of work that goes into a match uh, to turn over a five day was just, it was just too much, a step too far. So that's the bad and uh, to finally wrap up the show here's the, the segment that we call the ugly and if you want to see this one it is extremely ugly I have to say. <laughs> but it's, it's not one of my better moments and definitely not my choice for the ugly but uh, as, as you can imagine but it was a video that we took or that was taken at Paul Fitzpatrick's wedding where my hair movement was quite outstanding on the dance floor but we're going to stick this clip up on Twitter Paul if you want to give kind of the, the background to it as I say definitely not my choice for the ugly yeah well um, the reason that it's that it's timely this week is because the, <laughs> the video only emerged this week <laughs> oh my god when I saw this video um I think I think anyone who listens to your your dulcet co- tones on commentary, Damien, would be amazed to see the way you, the way you acted in public at this on this occasion. Mickey Brennan's in the background as well, your co-commentator on on Northern Sound and We Are Cavan, and I think I think it has to be seen to be believed. So people can look at, at We Are Ulster on Twitter or, or or on Facebook and have a look at the video, and uh, they can draw their own conclusions on it. Yeah, so that's the ugly, and trust me, it is very, very ugly. Apologies for that one. Um, Look, that brings us to the end of of this week's show. Um, Thanks very much to uh, Declan Bogue from the Irish Independent and the Belfast Telegraph, to Paul Fitzpatrick from the Anglo-Celt, to uh, Terence Sambo McNaughton, to um, Declan Bonner for the contributions, and to Ray Galligan, who uh, will also be bringing you that goalkeeping podcast, a special on goalkeepers in the in the coming week so make sure and follow us on facebook and twitter at we are ulster and spread the word it matters more it's the equalizer peter canavan this inspiring figure of tyrone oh god it's desperate going the mountains is brave and close now right enough oh god it's well well time of the snow all right and the next ball comes in, I grabs Tommy by the balls and I squeeze him. 